Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. Welcome to Part 3 of my Leadership Panel, in which I talk with security leaders about the trends and the tasks that they face in 2013. In this installment, the topic is authentication. Participants are Matthew Spear, Senior Vice President of Information Technology with M&T Bank, Christopher Padron, IT Security Compliance Officer with Peace Health Southwest Medical Center, and Elaine Starkey, CSO of the State of Delaware. We pick up our conversation talking about authentication. Matt, I want to start this conversation with you. You went into 2012 with the FFIEC authentication guidance sort of in your back pocket, knowing that examiners were going to be coming to your institutions and wanting to be talking about online authentication this year. So given that backdrop, how have you tackled the authentication challenge, the identity and access management challenge, really? Well, I can tell you that you know, when you, you look at not only the requirements, but the way that the industry is progressing on you know, what you know, how do we have a high level of probability that the customer that is logging in is who they claim to be is that, uh, especially with uh, the increase in products and services that we're making available. And, you know, I imagine this is no different for, for Chris or for Elaine uh, with healthcare and government in that we, we want to be able to push as many services as we can to the remote channel, be it internet or mobile, and be able to do so in a manner that is not only secure, but has a high level of authorization behind it, meaning that we know that those those people logging in are the customers that uh, we're servicing. And so going through and really understanding where vulnerability points are and conducting that gap analysis between where you're at today and, and where you believe that you need to be in the future. And, and as part of the FFIC from the middle of 2011, that was step one. And then, of course, you want to go after those products and services that have a higher level of risk to them and go after those gaps first. And, you know, in some ways I think that we're going after in a way that it goes beyond what, the regulatory bodies are asking for because, you know, this is the update from 2011. Who knows what the one for 2014 will look like? So we have to do a little bit of guessing to make sure that we can put ourselves in a defensible position, not just from a regulatory standpoint, but also in the cases where customers get breached and lose funds. That also puts us in a very defensible standpoint from, from a legal and reputational risk. And so there's been a lot of activity once this gap analysis was completed for implementation of newer technologies um, such as uh, anomaly detection um, and, you know, coupled with feeding from uh, Internet intelligence agencies so that we have kind of a full picture of not only is what is going on with the individual transaction that a customer uh, is attempting to make, but also with threat landscape as to, you know, what are the bad guys trying to do today and what has been their trend. And so it's a much more robust ecosystem that we're building. I think it will, just like information security in general, it, I think it's back to Elaine's comment, it's a race that we will never finish and chances are no one will ever win. So our job is just to make sure that uh, we are right in there towards the front end of the pack. So, you know, it's just when you think about the kind of the 
way that you look at this battle that goes on between financial institutions and hackers that, you know, my job is I will never be able to beat them. They are very well funded and incredibly creative and have nothing but time on their hands. My job is just make it painful enough that they want to go down the street and go after a different financial institution. And in this race around authentication that you want to be up towards the front of the pack to continue to make it very difficult for them to be able to breach those medication mechanisms and get around them so that they'll leave our customers alone. Well, I know in healthcare and in government, you have the same challenges, even if you don't have the same regulatory requirements. So Christopher and Elena, I'd love to hear how you have tackled the authentication challenges that you face. We offer uh, an enterprise-wide identity management service to applications across all of state government. And this is a service that enables the users to, you know, access multiple applications with single username and credentials, a.k.a. single sign-on. It also relieves the individual applications and the, the development work there from the burden of writing, you know, and rewriting an authentication system, you know, with every single internally developed um, system and just continuing to repeat that functionality over and over. It also provides with probably our most the most popular feature of all is the is the self service password management utility along with that. Those are just a few of the, the offerings that that we're positioning ourselves. We we've done some upgrades this calendar year. We're getting ready for two thousand and thirteen to be the year when we get applications converted and get a lot of those applications onboarded to the new IAM system. And similar to what Elaine was sharing, at PSOL Southwest, we have an identity access management solution. It also integrates into our single sign-on solution. Everything is transparent, collaborative, communicates sort of as, as a, a synergistic system. We also offer self-service. We are exploring for the new year service messaging and and by that service messaging, I mean secure, HIPAA-compliant, including images. And that adds a whole extra layer of accountability, responsibility, audit trails, disclosure, exposure issues. Um, going back to what we were saying earlier, we all have confidentiality agreements in many different ways. At PSL Southwest, we require it every year, again and again so that there is no question about the ownership and the onus of custodianship on each individual. So we, we have a, an integrated system, and it extends out into our terminal services that individuals remotely logging into our portals, deeply integrated into our identity and access management system. The challenge that we're finding is that with so many individuals coming and going, the provisioning aspect needs to be matured so that we do not spend so much time on defining the RBAC for every new individual. We have to improve our processes so that it becomes more automated. While we have single sign-on and while we have self-subscription, 
the complexity of the services that we offer, the number of applications that, again, meant role-based access control, that matrix is too big. We need to streamline it while maintaining the controls and that minimum necessary criteria for HIPAA. That's a big challenge for all of healthcare. There are a number of new authentication solutions that organizations are investigating. I hear a lot about using mobile as an out-of-band methodology. I hear a lot about biometrics, specifically voice biometrics. I'd like to hear from each of you. What are some of the new authentication solutions that you at least are investigating in your organizations? Christopher, why don't you start off? Sure. Um, With our single sign-on solution, we already have built in multiple authentication and multiple authorization schemes. We have finger biometric and has been in place for at least the last six years. We are exploring voice, but because of our environment and sound issues, we haven't moved there. We are staying away from retina or iris identification, but we do use strong authentication. So we have our badges, um, our identification badges not only give us physical access to certain areas, they also act as a second factor in our authentication for username, password, and badge. And our single sign-on solution allows us to say, you can use A, B, and C in this location, but if you're remote, you have to use B and C. And in this way, we have a deeper control of what that strong authentication factor is based upon location, role, responsibility, and access to content. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we uh, in Delaware here, we are in the actually the final weeks right now of upgrading our uh, enterprise-wide identity and access management system. It turned out to be a fairly significant upgrade um, that has taken us a little bit more time than originally planned. But there's nice, there's good significant changes um, between the old version and the new version, which is going to allow us to explore some some of the the biometric identifications that you mentioned. Although at this point we're just kind of focusing in on core functionality. We plan on trying to uh, migrate our, our old version of the applications up to the new version. That's kind of step one, followed by a round of onboarding. We have a number of applications that are patiently waiting in the queue for the, the, the new version to be ready so that we can onboard those new applications in the early part, first quarter of 2013. And then, Tom, when you think about my organization, so, you know, we've done a lot over the years internally. Um, realistically, 2012 and 13 are focused on the customer. So in there, you have to balance what is acceptable uh, for the end user experience or non-employees, because actually that's much more problematic uh, uh, for us than the internal employees. And so we certainly have uh, been examining uh, voice biometrics as well as certificates and soft tokens. So a mechanism to be able to provide, you know, a higher level of authentication requirements to our customer experimenting as to what really will be acceptable to them. Because unfortunately, over the years that we've got them into, uh, at least in the financial services industry, it, this has been a user ID and password-based authentication mechanism, and 
much of what we've done over the last few years has been transparent to them or has actually been hidden from them, not knowing what we were doing with anomaly detection. And now it actually requires for them to do something different. So we're trying to balance the higher level of authentication mechanisms with not crushing our telephone banking centers and just getting a poor end user experience because it's it's quite the shift for them. Any change that you do is a shift. And that brings us to the end of this third installment of the Security Leadership Panel. Join me for the fourth and final installment in which we talk about incident response as well as the single biggest piece of advice our security leaders have for the next generation of leaders. Until then, for Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.